Table Hot Dog. We're live on Facebook with the Salty Dogs, Season 3. Man, just continuing to break barriers and... Hot diggity dog. Tearing, the, it, the, tearing the, it down. The chains that hold you and all sorts of things. Man, these mics. We're doing the thing, bro. I I feel crispy. Crispity, crunchity, peanut buttery. Crispy that's what I always bacon. say. <laughs> Man, it feels good to be back. It's great to and be back. a long hiatus. How long was that? It wasn't that long. We did a bonus episode, and so I don't think people really miss us. Yeah. Did you miss it? I missed it. Did you miss people? Well. You don't really miss people. No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I missed you. You did miss me? I'm people. You are people. Yeah. Dude, it's so good to be back. I mean, we say it all the time, but gosh darn, we flippin' love. Shoot. Doing the podcast. Just gosh darn it. Dead. Yeah. Really darn it. Yeah, right. Fiddlesticks. Yeah, we're on a different level now, uh, thanks to contributions and just thanks to Vision and uh, you know, this thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and uh, started from the bottom now. I had I to mean, say it. Drake plug. <laughs> I had to say it. It's so good we to be a, here. We even got a sign now. We do have a sign. Check it out. That's how legit that is. Let me lean back for you. And I scratched it up while I was installing it. So hmm. anyways. It's for that rustic look. For those of you who are just listening to the audio, you can't see the sign. <laughs> but sorry about that. We'll post a picture or something. Yeah. Yeah, we post a ton of pictures. I'm hey, think- did you know that we've been building an email list also? I want to say yes. Yeah, we send out emails. My first inclination is to lie and say yes. So, so, so part of the whole like, oh, yeah, you got to give a call to action crap. So mm. join the Salty Dogs email list, saltydogspodcast.com, and then it'll just pop up, pow, right in your face. It's one of those. First thing you see is a pop-up. The old so, one-two. Yeah. Straight to the Just chin. dive into that. So. I'm digging the flannel, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it's it. It's J. Crew. It really is. I don't know who that is. What? It's a, uh, it's a store where people buy clothes. Is it expensive? And the only reason I have it is because my no, not I, we got it. I'm not going to go into that. Hmm. I wear it because my wife told me it looks good on me. Hmm. Well, she, so she, I wear 95 percent of the stuff. Yeah. I wear it because my wife says it looks good on me. There you go. So in our off season, we sent out a survey, and uh, we got back probably 20 something responses of some of the podcast episodes that we can have this season. So look for some of that stuff coming. But in the off season, uh, the Lord really put on my heart this idea of honesty and vulnerability. And uh, just through, not through happenstance, but the way he does things, um, he brought our, our first guest to us today. And so we'll introduce him in just a moment. But Casey, you know what time it is. <laughs> I do. What do you think it's time for? The first, uh, I've been waiting for the salt for a long time. Pass the salt. Yeah. That's right. It's our pass it. the salt. I want it. From people emailing the Salty Dogs Podcast at gmail.com inbox. Give it to me. All right. So we've got Tim DeRitter. Tim DeRitter. All, all the, the way, way from, from Amsterdam. Hmm. He says, just want to let you know that I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I'm 21 years old and Amsterdam's my hometown. Your podcast has come overseas. We finally well, made it. You know, we do have that whole like navigator there, mariner man. situation going <laughs> on so we're just doing what we that's do that's crazy man yep. I, still, I still trip out about that it's so awesome i travel by public trans- uh, transportation to my office every day during this ride and an amazing opportunity um to listen to your encouraging message so during this ride is an amazing opportunity to listen to your encouraging message i really appreciate your choice of topics your openness about your own experiences and your great humor i feel like i get to know god better and better through you each day um, there are plenty more episodes for me to listen to right away, but I hope you will continue doing this for a long, for as long as God is calling you to do this. Oh, we shall, Tim. 
We shall continue to cast our pods upon you. Hey, and now that I can look straight at you, you Tim DeRitter. You can see it right here, Tim DeRitter. Tim DeRitter. (laughs) Rosy cheeks. They're yours, bro. The Lord does, he'll bless you. (laughs) He'll bless you. Well, there it is, folks. All right. So with the, uh, with that, we're going to introduce our guest to the table. So first of all, Christopher Cerna taking his rightful place at the table. Hmm. You know, the Lord came to me in a dream, and uh, and and there <laughs> he was didn't a, come to me in a dream. There, there, were, were, there were three things on this table. There was a mic, there was a bag of pods, and there was um, you two as one. So those are the three things on a table. So one can only assume that God is calling me. Uh, to be a part of this, and so I've taken my rightful seat at the throne. And well, I'm, people I'm misinterpret excited. the Lord all the time. So it was, I, I mean, either that, or I'm supposed to beat you with the mic. And it was, <laughs> it was like your, uh, it was like your Peter on the rooftop uh, dream, right? Rise, kill, and eat. I, yeah, I'm, I thought you were going another way with that rooftop nope. story. Okay. Uh, yes, that's the only rooftop story I know. Oh no, there's another one. Yeah, but there that's is. the one I was talking about. Okay. Yeah. Get yes. on the mic, Christopher. Yes, I'm Goodness sorry. Gracious. I'm sorry. I apologize. Look at this guy. And who's this guy over here? What's this up, is, man? What's up? My name is Matt. Brown that's, Matt. That's Matt Brown. Thanks for having me. Matt Brown with Radiant Church. That's right. What do you do there, bro? So I'm the associate pastor, and uh, I oversee our Sunday serve teams. Uh, I used to see over groups, and now I oversee worship. So anything that happens on Sunday is Lots under, of overseeing. Some overseeing. That's what leadership does, right? Totes overseeing. Yep. Totes. Salty yep. Dogs podcast overseas in Amsterdam and Matt Brown oversee <laughs> Radiant seeing Church, yes. in Radiant Church. Yep. Yeah, there's just a lot of overseeing going it on It works here today. out that way, for sure. So we brought uh, Matt Brown on uh, for, a, uh, for a purpose. Um, this guy, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we sat down to talk about the possibility of him coming on the podcast and... Um, he said, yeah, it's just totally a God thing because kind of my word for the year is vulnerability and then authenticity for the purpose of healing. And, uh, and he was just like, yeah, I have to tell you my story. Um, and so it actually started when I first saw him, like right outside the door of Chipotle. Cause you know, <laughs> all we, places. we love our burritos. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Nick says, I can't believe you're watching yourself while you broadcast. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, and so it's the point of the I, I'm like, hey, Matt, how you been doing? And he said, well, actually, I've been struggling. And so that was like the first thing out of his mouth. We struggling. Yeah. And, it, and I was just like, man, I really appreciate that. So you're here to tell a little bit of your yeah. story about depression. You've uh, been in ministry for how long? Uh, seven years here in Wichita, but uh, nine total in the local church. Nine wow. total. So yeah, my wife served with you. She was that's like, oh, right. I know, man. I tell him I said hi. You want to know some weird irony in I that? Was like, I was like, why are, you trying to, why, why are you trying to tell me to tell another dude to tell him hi? What's up that's with that? That's right. You know, well, I'm here's the crazy kidding. thing. You want to know <laughs> she, the... She's married. You want to know like, well, the weird <laughs> thing, though? You want to know the weird thing? I want to know the weird thing. I don't want to know the weird thing. We currently own the same house that your wife grew up in see that see wow well we all know the <laughs> bible says give, the yeah. lord works in mysterious ways he doth definitely he, doth. he also helps yeah, those that help it. themselves that's yeah. right <laughs> that's a different podcast yep. so um you've been in ministry yeah. i wouldn't say just recently you said that you uh you have um 
gotten depressed, but you've really kind of been struggling just through the whole thing yeah. with a number of things. And so I just want you to start off by maybe telling us the story, take us back and, uh, and give us the story of, uh, where you're at now and what the Lord's bringing you through. And then ultimately we want to land on like, you know, how do, how do we, um, Maybe how do we exist where in a place of vulnerability and authenticity where like sure. we're not hiding the things that are going in our heart, and that's a problem. Like it really is a problem. Even as a leader, there's things that I struggle with, and I've been afraid to admit those things to others because I'm afraid how I'm going to be perceived. Yeah, yeah, and that's really one of the barriers of leadership is is really when you're in any leadership role, there there's there's this overwhelming sense that transparency equals. Uh, some level of of unworthiness almost mm. when it comes to that and it's mm. it's it's not this thing that's been openly discouraged but it's kind of one of these kind of that's openly discouraged <laughs> well in some in some cases yeah. but i think in some other cases i think there's people who have just felt like oh man i i can't talk about these things that i'm struggling with right and and i think that that's been one of the biggest disservices of our of our community as well those over the the flocks that you that people lead is oftentimes we get a we get a view view of a leader as you know above it you know what i mean mm-hmm. above temptation or above you know being you know uh, you know, having hidden sins in life. And I think that comes as much more of a shock. Like, so once the higher and higher we put these people up on a pedestal and like yep. just kind of view them as, as, you know, invincible to, mm-hmm. to those things because there are fearless leaders of our flocks and stuff. Well, when those leaders mess up, we've all of a sudden, we've created this huge gap for them to fall because yep. we've created that because we're not, we're not treating them as one of you. This was a God appointed role. We're not cheap treating those people as like equal to us you know what i mean yeah it's like we've, we've elevated them on this position so long as the is the fall for a leader you know what i mean in yeah circumstances. and i would say the septum for leaders too is we we because we've done that historically leaders i think in in essence put themselves in that pedestal as well and begin to set up well i am over these people yeah. I, you know I joke yeah i oversee people and that's that terminology begins to manifest itself then it's all of a sudden i'm in this place of I am over them and I have to have my stuff figured out. So not only is it an unworthiness, but there's a shame that's tethered to that as well that we have that as leaders, um, we're afraid to, to say, I'm, I'm struggling. Not, I'm not well. I'm yeah. struggling. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're afraid to cultivate a, a cultivate a culture of honesty within our churches. For sure, because of those right there, I, those instances right there. It, it, during my first gig in um, in ministry, gig. Yeah, my first gig. <laughs> gig-y. Like, he's, uh, like he's doing his first. Yeah, that's right. Con- I landed my first gig. Yeah, it's like my first gig in ministry. I yeah. sent them my media kit, and they were like, "Yeah, come on in." <laughs> so. Um, that's funny. I've got his trading card. That's right. Rookie yeah. trade. Yeah. Rookie Jason's trading card. Jason's <laughs> pastor rookie card. We were joking about pastors having uh, trading cards. And That's yeah, good. Got... What were your stats? No, how many gosh. amens did you get? Oh that? my okay. lord! How many did you convert in the red zone? How many raised hands did we get at the end of the? Yeah. So terrible. That's too good. Um, so during my first gig, um, I uh, I had a lot of fear. And there was a lot of fear that I was going to do the wrong thing or I was going to mm-hmm. mess up. But one of my biggest fears was that my, the lead guy over me, my authority, whatever you want to call him, was going to look me dead in the eye and ask me, so how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then I was going to say, oh, I'm good. And then he was going to say, too no, really. To, too blessed to be stressed, right. brother. And, but he was going to say then, no, really, how are you? And I was afraid I was going to have to confess like all my sin and all my brokenness. And I lived with that fear that I was going to be like found out and I felt mm-hmm. like a fraud and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. Um, I mean, I can imagine if, if pastors and ministry leaders are experiencing this where they, they can't be open and honest about their sin, like how much more 
even just people who are attending church. And I think that's kind of the underlying thing here. It's like, we need to be ready to deal with people and their brokenness. And so we can get to that, but go ahead and back up and give us a little yeah, bit of your story. So, yeah, so the story is I grew up in the Christian home. Dad's a pastor now. He became a pastor after I moved to the house, but my grandpa was a pastor, so I'm third-generation pastor. Um, I was a uh, When I went to Christian uh, college, that's where I met my wife, and, and I was kind of living this life of um, this is what I think I'm supposed to do, and but I wasn't doing it well. And uh, it took a boss when I was working at a, uh, I don't know if we can get the endorsement, but I was working for Pepsi at the time. And, uh, and we're, <laughs> I love Pepsi. Yeah, I, I'm trying to help you guys out we're, here. But uh, I love Pepsi. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, was, okay. I was working I there, and my, my boss, who's not a Christian whatsoever, goes, dude, isn't there something bigger in life that you should be doing right now? And mind you, I had been running away from this idea of <laughs> Did going you to, say no? Yeah, and I, yeah, well, I said, well, it's funny because it caught me off guard. We're both on our knees putting cases on the shelves, and we're like, I'm... When do you ever get, when do you thing. ever get deep? When like yeah, he's yeah. like if you ever plan to be my role, you'll never make more than 40k and you're going to be living a miserable life like I am and he was about 30 years my elder and so Dang. It was one of those things that I just went, you know, maybe and he the irony in all that is I had actually been called into ministry at the age of 16 at a, a church camp of all places, right? Mm. And uh, instead of the big altar call on Thursday night, it was the big ministry call. And mm. I found myself up there and I remember my youth pastor going, "Dude, this is the toughest job ever." It's you're never you're hardly gonna see Trying the freak. to get you to quit. He was right <laughs> don't before. Even be, start. Don't even do it. Yeah, but I think he was making sure it was an emotional response. So I go to Christian college after three years of just kind of having my Jonah moment, as I call it, and um, and after the boss from Pepsi said, "Hey, dude, like, isn't there something bigger?" I ended up quitting my job and became a youth pastor in in Missouri uh, for the first time. I was a weekend warrior kind of th- gig, so I was there through the weekend and coming back, uh, going to school, and. Um, I quickly got married, and and uh, shortly after that, I ended up uh, taking another job to go start a church in, as a worship and youth uh, leader in, in Junction City, Kansas, of all places. Let's just back up real quick. Yeah. Tell me how easy is it, or how much quicker does a man get married when he goes into full-time ministry? I mean, it's surefire way. What are the numbers? <laughs> Yeah, you I want would, to know. Yeah, let's let's talk about conversions yeah, for a second. Yeah, I mean, I think I was first first year. I mean, it was quick for you. Yeah, it was quick. I was a little upset that you got married before I was. Well, I had Super to pay. Salty. I had to pay a lot of money to get her hand. So that pastor money, you know. Yep. Mm. Anyways, yep. Matt, back to your story. <laughs> well, I mean, yep. I'll, I'll just add to it. We dated seven weeks, uh, 12 years, a couple nice. of days ago. So yeah, and nice. so then it was seven months later, and we said I do. So. Anyway, yeah, so we get married, and I'm, we're doing the ministry thing on the weekends, and um, that, and then we went and started a church and did that for a little bit, and then what ended up happening was a, an opportunity to do music uh, with some friends of mine from a former church, and uh, that took us on to this journey of doing music for four years across the country, and uh, wow, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I said we'd been to Amsterdam. It was a layover twice on the way over. You to, know Tim? Uh, I do not know Tim. Never met Tim. <laughs> Never met Tim. If I Dang if I, I hope to I hope to someday. So, Me too. Tim. Um, yeah. Rock <laughs> Roberto, <laughs> Roberto Moreno on Facebook yeah. says, "Dang pastors get married quick." That's <laughs> my that's my buddy. We went to high school together. Is yep. that is that uh, dang comma pastors get married quick or dang pastors get married? Quick. That's dang. I think it plays both ways. Quick. It goes both ways. The guy I passed her with, he it was the same story. I think it was eight weeks for them. So popped the question, bada bing, bada boom. So that's how it goes. Yeah. So did the music thing, left that, came to Orlando, um, 
Things fell through there, and we came to Wichita um, in a really broken state. Things fell through in Orlando, so you came to Wichita. Yeah, so we came to Wichita. See how it all worked. Kind of backwards. Here's how. Well, that's what everyone asks. It's like, why did you leave Kansas, or why did you leave Kansas to Orlando, and then come back to Kansas? And honestly, it wasn't our choice. Uh, We drove by that that Kansas Missouri border, and was like, "See you later. We'll be back to visit family." Yeah, see you never. Yeah, six months (laughs) later, we're living here. Yeah, we're we're back here six months later, and so gosh, that's crazy. So that's when I started my first full time gig, right, in ministry. Uh, I'd been part time up until that point, (laughs) and. yeah, I was a youth pastor in downtown Wichita, and uh, it was an awesome, awesome gig, just getting to know students and, and whatnot. But what I, let's get into the, t- the stuff that we wanted to talk about tonight, and that was simply this, is this idea of, I, I believed I had to be known as somebody. I had to be known uh, that I had my stuff together, that I had it figured out, that not only did Bible college prepare me perfectly, uh, but I knew the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and had it all memorized, and I could quote you, and I, I, and I bought into this idea that I had to know it all. The answers, that you had all the answers. I could, out- I could definitely outquote you. Yeah. And you know what the, the oh you want quote to throw off down? right now you want to throw down you want to throw down I, I think they me call them sword quote off so what are they sword fights sword drills sword drills that's sword right drills. I would I would I would just slaughter people in those in grade school <laughs> I would in the name of the Lord <laughs> oh my gosh yeah all right just so wrecking anyway, fools yeah left and right what's so, what's so, funny what's funny is that I had still hadn't at this point had read through the entire Bible so uh, there was this whole lie that I had bought into. So then you add in this idea that I had to be perfect. You ha- I had to have stuff together, that I had all the answers, and I didn't. But it, but how many people feel like that, though? Like not even just people in ministry, but even like just people who come to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's like I can remember when um, I first gave my life to the Lord. I was 14, and I was still in high school. And I just remember having this craving for knowledge and like maturity. And I wanted to know what I, I wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking mm-hmm. about, look like I knew what I was doing. And it was this quest for knowledge, which in my, in my case was not a pursuit of a relationship. Correct. A quest for knowledge is not synonymous with pursuit of relationship. Correct. Like you can seek to know, but I was just wanting to know that I, Sounded like I knew what I was talking about. Yep. I wasn't like I'm so in love with Jesus. I just want more of Him. It's all it all it's all one-upmanship across the board. It's what we're born into. I mean, and I I say this almost every single podcast. It sounds like I'm tired of hearing the sound of my own voice when I say this, but where we grow up and you know the culture that we come from, it's all about uh, comparison and um, you know con- contest and you know just trying to trying to. I don't know, like com- compete, you know, everything that we do is for competing, whether we're competing for yeah. jobs or we're competing for the hottest wife, which I win definitely hands down. Um, we're, we're, <laughs> no, I win. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I win. I think so, we're all obligated so, to no, argue just, this to just, the death. Just the way, but we, but here we are young Christians, you know, in, in Western evangelical, you know, ideology and theology, we're thrust into this this world of doggy dog again, which is the world that we're trying to be delivered from because, yeah. you know, that's the world system that we're coming from. And yet we're thrust into the same thing, just packaged differently, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's it's, I, I, it's one of the biggest sorts of contention in my Christian life was just why am I not measuring up mm-hmm. when the truth is that there's nothing to measure up to. It's actually measuring down to something, right? It's, re- it's the releasing of that mm-hmm. that gives you your identity in Christ. And so it was one of the most perplexing and like just frustrating 
things that like impeded my walk with Christ was a pursuit of knowledge and uh, not a pursuit of relationship, which yeah. I which I hope that we're all trying to come out of that now, you know. Um, and I feel an awakening happening, but because there's not a real, there's no like there's no realism there. You know, Correct. It doesn't fulfill. And I think, so when you have all these Bible verses telling you how fulfilled you should be, and you know all these Bible verses, mm-hmm. but you haven't experienced those Bible verses, there's a big difference. Absolutely. So you, you leave the Bible getting not fulfilled, and you end up claiming God as a liar, because yeah. you've had the wrong mentality come into Scripture, rather than, you know, Absolutely. and we like, we often talk about Scripture as, like, we were just talking about this uh, in, our, in, our, <laughs> in, our, in our marriage group, right? So uh, Scripture is is um, a, a sword, right? And I think we spend, oftentimes we spend so much time dissecting Scripture instead of letting Scripture dissect us that, mm. uh, that we come oh, to... Oh, snap. Uh, Somebody put that on yeah. the quote list. Yeah. Somebody yeah. Tweet, that. tweet that right there. That, yeah. that it, le- it leaves us unfulfilled, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and how you're even saying that is, so I had a theology professor uh, while I was at this first uh, church here in Wichita that I was at that ended up just uh, just going, you know what, I don't believe this anymore. <laughs> And it was just, and that, that really began to really, that blew my mind because uh, it was, and it made sense on somehow the way he taught the class that I was in. And, but it, uh, there was this, this notion of like, okay, he believed this so deeply and then all of a sudden he, he abandoned it. And it was like, he came <laughs> to the conclusion after he knew a lot of knowledge. That's thug life, dude. Yeah, I guess, you know. Right in front of everybody. Yeah, it was. You know what? You know, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> you know, he resigned, this. and it was a, wow. bi- it was a big deal. And he's, you know, and I, I don't follow him or uh, have any f- relationship with him. It was news that I just saw that, you know, f- through social yeah. media and stuff, and I, I, I was perplexed. That's just a manifestation, though, of the frustration of a lot of us. Absolutely. You know what I mean? and, well, and it's this idea that, it, you know, we, we hope that information is going to change people or yeah. change us. The difference... It, or the, the the challenge with that is information doesn't change people. A revelation is needed in order for information to yes. actually change. Yeah. And yes. and if we don't, if otherwise we never it's have just that, information. Exactly. Uh, and you know, people would stop smoking. The information is out there that it, it gives you lung cancer. Yeah. And but that doesn't I mean, stop. It, it doesn't stop. Right. Right. It, 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 Sorry, truth. What, what's that? What's that like? That outreach called truth or something? Like, yeah. I mean, you absolutely. Ain't doing nothing. No. Dude, okay? Yeah. I mean, people want to smoke those. The information's things, out smoke. there, but it's gonna take. It's gonna well, take them hearing. You have cancer. Personally. Or, yeah, it's yeah. going to have to be real. The for personal them. touch. Right. And all of a sudden, that truth becomes truth oh, in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. what's, absolutely. So, what's so interesting, though, is that, is, you know, I think, you know, Casey, I agree with you. I think a lot of people are, are starting to wake up to the fact that, oh, yeah, I have been focusing on this knowledge over intimacy, this knowledge over relationship. But, but unfortunately, I mean, a lot of times, what do, what do we as pastors do? We push people towards knowledge without ever unpacking that there's, there's so much more that goes into it than, than just this knowledge aspect. And, and I, think, I think that we're good-intentioned when we do that because that's what was done to us. But And, and I'm not saying... Obviously, I'm not saying scripture is bad by any means whatsoever, but but when we just use it to 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 build uh, puff our chest and just build ourselves up, right? Scripture does say knowledge puffs up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But if we continue, yeah, exactly. If we continue to to push people towards knowledge um, instead of instead of having them engage with this knowledge and then understanding that this knowledge leads towards deeper intimacy with with a living God. It's not just the written word, but it's also the spoken word. And I think we're missing some of that within the church. Right. Well, knowledge, knowledge isn't transformation. And we can take it all the way back, and we've talked about this before, but um, the, um, you know, the sin was eating from the 
the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so knowledge of good and knowledge of evil both brought death. And so we can know good things, right? And, and it even said that uh, Eve saw that the fruit was good for knowledge. And so, I mean, there's something to be said about knowledge versus then eating from the tree of life, right? Yeah, and I had, and I had heard from Watchman Nee. I've been reading a lot of Watchman Nee lately, and uh, I think it's the, uh, spiritual man or normal Christian life, but he was talking about this when he was talking about the knowledge of good and evil and when they ate from it. Essentially, man was amoral before mm. before they ate of the knowledge of good and evil. The, all the choices that they w- came across before the knowledge of good and evil came from asking God, like the tree of life, you know, participating of the tree in life. So they were amoral creatures before they partook of the knowledge of good and evil. So everything was cycled through their relationship with God. And so that knowledge aspect kind of works in, in, a, in a roundabout way to making us, you know, our own uh, separate, separate from God. We can make our own decisions, man, because garden living is complete and utter dependence on God outside of knowledge, man. Mm-hmm. So, which is where I've been at too, man. I, if I'm honest, man, I haven't opened my Bible in a long time yeah. because I'm trying, I'm trying to experience this thing because I've, I've went to teen challenge and done those things. And I've been locked in a prison cell for 16 months, basically studying the word of God, but that never changed me. Mm-hmm. Came back out, did the same things I was doing. You would think after 16 months of being shut off from the world that that would change a man. And yeah. it didn't. Right. And so experience has changed. You know, that's what's changed me now, mm-hmm. watching those things rather than no, knowing, but like seeing and knowing, yeah. tasting and seeing. When that knowledge becomes, well, like you said, real or experience, it's it's like the rubber meets the road. Finally, it makes sense, you yeah. know. Uh, and I think that's, you know, and that's as leaders, that's what we need to be praying for, for for ourselves, for us, you know, we can read scripture and, you know, and I, and that's one of the things for me that I, I've tried to, I've tried to do more of, but before I even get to it, it's, it's Lord, this needs to be real for me right? and where I'm at now. Yeah. Please reveal that to me and not let this just be yeah. words on a page yeah. well, because it is the living word and the living word has the ability to, to transform us. We have to be open in a posture to, Absolutely. to receive it. Has, yeah. It can't be like, I'm reading a book. It's I'm here with the father. It's, right. It, it is. A, it's a very spiritual moment. It can't be done with the kids Not running around. Here, yeah. No, it's 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 a hard thing. Here. Absolutely. Well, there's a difference Absolutely. between there's a difference between um, knowing that one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means provider, and experience and experiencing Jehovah. God providing for you. There's a difference between uh, me reading the scripture and knowing the story, um, and. Uh, you know, God's going to provide the sacrifice, right? Um, and then he gets to name God Jehovah Jireh because God provided. Um, I could read that story and be like, oh, yeah, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. But there's a difference when, like, I'm in my life and I'm going through a hard time and I'm up against a rock and a hard place. Either I can believe and have faith, right, that the Lord's going to provide. I can trust and I can say, you say, you're, Je- I mean, you're Jehovah Jireh, you're the provider, I'm putting my faith in you. I can do nothing but trust in you to provide during this time. And then he actually shows up. That's different from me just reading it. Yeah. And so I think that's what this whole conversation is about. It's like we can read the scripture, read the scripture, read the scripture, but without having an, an experiential um, experience, <laughs> welcome to the department of the redundancy department, right? Yeah. It, we need to have that experience and get to know Christ and the Father in that intimate way. But I think you, I think you hit it on the head, and I, you know, I don't want to sell it as this massive abstract thing because uh, there is an experience that needs to be experienced, as you were saying that. But it, it goes right back to posture. 
Uh, it really does. It's it's understanding our place and God's place. Yeah. Um, you know, He's 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 infinite. We're finite. We, you know, He's He's good. Naturally, we're we're not. And 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 th- those things come um, when we understand our our position with Him. Yeah. He's our He's our Daddy, and He's also our Creator. Mm. And and it's this this is something that that allows that information actually to begin to be revealed and and allows us to experience it to be. Right. Real for us. Yeah. Roberto on Facebook says experience is the best teacher. Mm. And that's for sure. I mean, that's, that's certain. Um, so go ahead and, uh, dabs, man. dabs <laughs> abound right. into you, Roberto Carlos Moreno. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, so catch us up to speed, yeah. man. You, you're here in Wichita. You've got a past with ministry. Yeah. Um, just recently in the past year or six months, like tell us about, yeah. get into, get into, you know, let's get into the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. You, you that's the right. fun stuff. Get, right. get the machetes out. We're going to the jungle. Dude, I want to hear about, yeah, I want to hear about what we're yeah. here for, which is depression, anxiety, Absolutely. Like that, yeah. so, waging war inside of a Christian mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Because so, I'm there yeah. with you, you know what I mean? And I'm excited to explore this with you guys because, uh, as we, we talked about honesty and vulnerability, I think creates opportunity, um, mm, for, yeah. um, honest dialogue because I think so many times Christians, we, we feel like we have to inspire pastors too. We feel like we have to have our stuff together back to that again. Right. And that's such a lie that we buy into that we're, we're so ashamed that we don't have it together. And so the story is, is that, so I was a youth pastor for three years and that led us into a, the church planting world. We started a church and, and, uh, the real cool story, we were starting one, another, another buddy down the road was starting one. We decided to merge uh, things together. And, uh, so that led me into the associate role and, uh, it's been a, it's been a great experience, but from almost that time, um, so rewind about it almost a year ago, we, we had our, our second daughter, and um, a couple months afterwards, my wife finally just said, Matt, like, you are so disconnected. Like, we just had our second kid, and you don't even want to hold her. You don't, like, you're not enjoying her. You're getting ups- actually upset at a two-month-old. And that began to wake me up, and she goes, Matt, I can see these things in your life of this depression, I think, because I had seasonal stuff, you know, I'd get through the holidays yeah. and it was that seasonal stuff. And, you know, everyone's like, well, you got to eat better. You got to get some sunlight, get, some vitamin D, get the vitamin. Yeah. So <laughs> it was that stuff. And it, I would be in this, you know, this funk for a couple months and I'd finally get out of it. But long story short, I, I didn't, uh, this was going on. This was going through my second year of it. And my wife could see it almost all the way from the time that we had started the church in 2016. And so, that opened my eyes like, okay, there's, there's actually stuff going on here that I, yeah. I've been ignoring. Yeah. Um, and there was stuff inside me. Um, and so I began to try to fix it. Right. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to mm. do these things. Start that tanning, that pastor yeah. bod. Start yeah. tanning, which yeah. you clearly haven't. Yeah. I have not any close. Yeah. <laughs> You're not <laughs> taking that vitamin D. No, bro. I'm not. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They said, go to the tanning beds if I needed to. And I've yet to do that too. So, mm. but they, uh, you know, so I, so all that being said, that's, um, that kind of led to some of that. The year before I had a cancer scare, they found, they found a, the mass and, um, uh, about six weeks later they did a rescan and it was gone. And, um, it was kind of this crazy whirlwind of a, a scenario. So I had to follow up with my doctor a year later to make sure everything's all good, do the physical, all the fun stuff that happens in that. Mm. And, um, <coughs> They, they, yeah, <laughs> they did do that too. And, uh, they drew blood and, um, they, they come to find out that, you know, vitamin D was actually low. There I was, told you. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, vitamin D is low. Um, they labeled me a cardiac risk. I'm thir- wow. I was 33 at the time when I got this. And I'm like, what in the world? And that they, they protocol, they asked, they asked two questions about depression. And, um, and I was like, I can't lie to the doctor. I mean, I could, but, yeah. uh, I was so tired, man. I, there was chronic fatigue had really set in. And so I heard the news and we got the, we got the results in the mail and they, they wanted to see me in three months to do, to, to do a rescreen. Fast forward, um, a couple of weeks. Um, it was a weekend. Things just felt like they were just falling apart. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I was not in sync with my wife. I was not in sync with that stuff at church. There was a lot of circumstantial stuff that had happened. And um, there was a Friday evening. Uh, no, excuse me. It was a Saturday evening. And um, the thought of just going into the gun box and being done that night ran through my head. Now, it wasn't something that I thought about. I was like, I was planning it. That immediately got chased out with, oh, my gosh, I would never see my girls grow up. Oh, my yeah. gosh, like these dreams would yeah, actually yeah. never come to fruition. Like it was chased out very quickly, and I almost had a lot of shame and regret that I even thought that. Yeah. Um, but it was that was one thing I was like, would it bring peace? And um, so I go I wake up the next day, and I have to I have to do church, right? You know, I have to I have to I have to be face. And yeah. I, it sucks, it was, doesn't it? It was like a it was like this horrible spiritual hangover that I I it was on my face, and I and I'd been carrying this for a while, and um. Somehow I came across the book of Habakkuk um, that night and I uh, started reading Habakkuk. And, this, and it's a very short book. Uh, and the cool thing about Habakkuk is, you know, he's a prophet, but he's not a prophet who, um, who spoke to God on, or, uh, on behalf of people. Or excuse me, he, he didn't speak to the people on behalf of God. He, sp- <clears throat> he spoke to God on behalf of the people. <clears throat> and long story short, he, God ends up saying, man, I got a frog in my throat. Get a drink if you need it. Dun, 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 dun. He's I'm back. back. I'm back. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what's cool is, is so God tells him, dude, you're going to be destroyed by your enemies. This, the, the Babylonians are going to love just, it. They're going to take you out. And he's going, but what, that's not what I wanted. I got it. Like we're repenting. We want to get all this stuff fixed with you. And he goes, yeah, you're going to. There's. It's going to be some tough times ahead of you. But he ends the in, in the chapter three. He goes, well. The fields may be barren. The trees may not have any fruit. He goes on to list some of these things. And he ends up saying, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I went, how the heck do you go? I'm going to be destroyed by my enemy, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I begin to ask that question. The next day I get on online, I see this article of a pastor that had just taken his life yeah, that week. I remember that. that What's weekend, his, yeah. Um, out in California. I don't remember okay, his name. Yeah, it was uh, a big deal. Andrew, it was a very deal. big deal. It was a very yeah. big deal. And, um, and it, I remember, it, I mean, just to interject, I remember it. the same thing. Cause it, I'm struggling probably around this timeline that you're doing. I'm dealing with the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you look at it because you, you know, I look around and I see all these things. Like I see my life blessed, way more blessed than it had ever been. I got my son and I have my wife who's amazing. And you know, Jill, she's mm-hmm. an amazing person and, uh, everything's going my way, my job, everything. But like, I can't help this like gnawing sensation inside of me that like, it's just like numbness and it's, it's yeah. almost, and it is almost shameful to even admit you, yep. you know, cause like comparatively speaking to other people and I know we don't like to, you know, 
we, we try to want to get away from comparison to other people, but you know, when like comparatively speaking to people that have a lot less than me, why am I so, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Depressed, man. And I, I just, you know, yeah, you're living the hashtag blessed life, man. What's, what's wrong with you? But, yeah. the, but you, so then you have to come to the honest assertion that even my wife, even my son cannot take the place of God in my life. Correct. You know, and so with all these blessings, right? So here I am ex- experiencing the hand of God, but wanting more than ever to see the face mm-hmm. of God, you know? And so, uh, but it does, it draws a line in the sand where it's okay, your enemies are coming. There's no fruit. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going to rejoice? You know, yeah. are you going, it draws a line in the sand. It, it really does. And I, and I think that's the challenge for us too, is, is how do we get to that place that yet, regardless of what's going to happen, I'm still going to worship God. Yeah. And, and that, that's where I was. And, and, and so that day after I learned about that guy, I was like, our story is parallel too much. Cause that pastor had a, had a four month sabbatical yeah. and came back for the a week and shared his story with his wife the next sunday he preaches this amazing message in a series called hot mess mm-hmm. i watched the whole thing and then five days later he attempts to take his life and i and i went and he was you know he's 30 years old he's roughly my age he's got two little Young boys kids, behind yeah. yeah i'm like there's too much paralleling that's happening here all that being said i went i need help and that was literally the white flag that i had to raise and so i ended up calling a, a counselor and and said uh, i need to come in as soon as I can get in. And they did an intake over the phone and said, yeah, we'll get you in. And so shortly after, that's when I began to, I got into counseling. Uh, I still am. I had my session today, actually. And um, one of the things that I learned in that, and is really what I wanted to get get to, is that a lot of my depression was, was I had bought into a lot of lies. Yeah. I had bought into the lies of I have to have my stuff figured out. I have to, as a pastor, I need to make sure that I I look good. Um, I'm, you know, to, for a pastor to admit, I didn't read my Bible this week. Except well, for, you look great. Yeah. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So, so tell me about maybe some of the some of the the thoughts that were going through. Yeah, your that's head, that's like, exactly the direction that I was going to ask too. About, yeah. About the thoughts, like once you got once you got to the point to where you realized, okay, I'm going to wave this white flag. I mean, what's going through your mind? I mean, as far as what other people are going to think yeah. and, and all of that. Yeah, you know, it's it's all it really is a lot of it's a blur. But uh, what I can recall is that. Um, I remember my voice, my mom, my mom, my wife's voice saying like, you need, you need to get better. Your daughters need you. I need you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was what was being replayed, you know, six months later in my head going, I need to get better. I need to get better. And so that first, that was the initial thought is I, I, I don't want my story to be like that pastor, yeah. you know, and unfortunately just a couple of weeks ago, another pastor took his life out yeah, in California. I, I saw that as well. And, um, you know, and. It's, it was just a reminder going, like, I, ha- I need to get better. And not for the sake of me. Like my, I, I believe my story has some power that I think hopefully encourage others. Um, and I, I want to be better for them as well. Uh, right. And so that led to that. Um, but, but were you what, like... But, yeah, so to, to answer that, yeah, so I, but I needed to be open and honest. I felt like I had the obligation to be open and honest with uh, our church leadership, uh, yeah. know, the other pastor and our elders and... And it was, and it was literally saying, "I'm not okay." Like, I, and and I did. I shared that with them, and I said, "I'm not okay. I don't know what the future holds. Um, I, you know, it's hard for me to predict even what's going to happen tomorrow." But um, that opened it up uh, to begin to start sharing that. Yeah. So I guess my question was, like, those those feelings were they? Did you feel like a failure? Did you feel like a fraud? Like, did, yeah. you know, I'm not. 
uh, yeah, how did you feel? What were you, what were the lies you were then telling yourself? And like, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of, uh, degrading of self going on. Yeah, there was this, uh, there was definitely a, f- a sense of failure that, uh, you know, I had I'm trying to find the words to say on this because there was, there was a sense of failure, but there was also a sense of relief that came with starting to share with it. Yeah. Um, and that was the, that was the surprising thing about that was that there was like, you know, this idea that the darkness that was within me was beginning, there was light being exposed onto that. And so as ugly as it was, and, and the thing with my depression, it really wasn't a sin issue. Well, it was a sin issue because I bought into lies from the enemy, but it wasn't like I was out having an affair or, you know, ha- you know, having these other things that we hear about other pastors struggling with. It was literally just for so many years I bought into these lies. Like I believed I had to be somebody. I had to be known. Uh, and, you know, and so then the frustration came was I'm not where I want to be. I, you know, I'm, I'm in my early thirties. I should be here right now. My, my family should be here right now in the sense of where we're, how we're making money. And, and, uh, I need to have this type of respect for my wife. And in, in the things would be like, you know, my wife and I, we've been married 11 years. Why are we still fighting about how we put dishes in the dishwasher? Like stuff like that. Right. You know, and I found it out goes this, that long. It, it, yeah, it goes, oh, it goes gosh. long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least for us it has. And, uh, you know, we're still having those, uh, those, those instances where it's like, oh, we're still talking about this. Um, and so I bought the lie that is like, these should be fixed by now. And the reason, there's no reason that they, they do need, I mean, one, they do need to be fixed because, in my opinion, there's more than one way to load the dishwasher. And my wife would argue that there is only one way to, to do that. But that being said is that we, we can buy the lie of what expectation tells us. And it's like, well, we need to have our stuff together. We have to be at this place at this time. We need to have this many followers on social media. And why aren't we getting so many likes on this? You know, all these so things. There was, so why there am was, I not pastoring Justin Bieber? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there was yeah. a whole ton of um, unmet expectations in so, your eyes. Yeah, my bad. You know, one of, one of the things that we talk about in our, we have a marriage group, um, but we've talked about unmet expectations, unrealistic expectations, and then unspoken expectations. But I think in ministry and even just for the Christian in general, I mean, we need to, we need to remember that being in ministry, isn't this like, you know, Oh, look at me. I'm so awesome. Mm -hmm. It's just that we've essentially found a place to serve that the church has said, okay, we've got five positions and you get into one of those five positions. And then all of a sudden, like you're there and you're on this higher level. We're still people, right? We're still, um, we still need the Lord just as much as the, as the next person. But what happens is in ministry and as Christians, there are there, I believe there's so many unrealistic expectations that exist for us. Some that others put on us, especially being in ministry, Mm -hmm. people put unrealistic expectations on you. Um, And then because those expectations are on you and they're unrealistic, it's not very likely that you're ever going to live up to them. So you're continually feeling like you're failing. And that'll weigh, that'll weigh somebody down. And I would say that too, though, as pastors, we allow those expectations and we accept those expectations. And so I wouldn't put it all on, on, on others either saying that Mm -hmm. they, they expect this. We put those expectations too on us or we allow them uh, to be put on us. And so it's, it's a both hand in that regard, because if, if we buy into an expectation that, you know, we have to have, you know, that was, you know, starting a church, you know, you start thinking, well, we got to, we got to get 
our systems right. We've got to have the metrics in place so that way we grow the church and we can blow up, right? right. That's what every pastor. Add water. Yeah, add yeah, water. Yeah. It'll yeah. blow up. <laughs> Boom, right? Yeah, well, yeah it's like the anointing the Holy Spirit, you know, and they add it to their number daily. Yeah. And it's like this idea that it's, all this stuff's going to happen. You're speaking church planner, bro. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you got this. You're speaking yeah. my language. But it's the three, baby. Definitely, definitely not. But it's one of those things that I, I think that if we if we allow expectations to dictate our relationship with God, we're going to we're gonna constantly find ourselves never, ever meeting that expectation. And, you know, and I, and I got to say this because I, I feel like just God keeps putting this on my heart right now is that, you know, in order to get to the flock, you have to go through the shepherd. Okay. And so for leaders, especially um, when you stand in the gap yeah, that's to good. defend the flock, you are going to be attacked, mm -hmm. you know? And so what we see from, you know, in ecology, when we see wolves and everything, they, they will attack you, you know, just for the sake of getting to the flock, because mm -hmm. you are the one defender. And I, so, and so I think that leaders and not even the ones that are, that are, you know, have the pulpit, but people who have a definite, you know, uh, sphere of influence in people's lives who are making a difference are going to be attacked more so than, than the, the and I'm, I'm not saying that Christian, there's average Christians and above average, but when you take, when you take on the role of being a leader in somebody's mm -hmm. life, when you're standing and you're footing the bill for somebody else, that attack falls on you. And mm -hmm. so now you're left with having to draw from more than ever, draw from the strength of the father. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I know well, first of all, this is just true for everybody. And I've said this over and over and over again. Like at any given moment, we don't know the depth of brokenness or struggle that exists in the people around us. Like even mm -hmm. at this table, if right. we just if we just let it all out, we'd be like, holy crap. Right. right? Like, I mean, seriously. Um, and so, of and course. So here you are, you know, here you are, you're not knowing the level of brokenness that you're committing to because you're committing to the brokenness of all the people that you are, that you're in charge of as a shepherd. Yeah. And you're not knowing. And, and all of that stuff's in, in, and in my opinion, I mean, I don't know this is fact. There's no scriptural basis to back that. But. I mean, that stuff all binds to you, man, because you're, you're in, in other realms, man, in other places, you're, you're, you're fitting in there with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all of that attack that they're experiencing, I believe is magnified on the leader as well. Well, I think what I was getting at was like, first of all, for um, people who are in a church and they're attending and then they have leadership in that church, leadership structure. So pastor, associate pastor, worship pastor, youth pastor, family pastor, kids pastor, all of those people who've stepped into that role to then serve, um, yes, in some way have put themselves in the line of fire. Um, but those people are going through stuff that you have no idea that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, the biggest mistakes that we've made as leaders is not being vulnerable and not being honest with our struggles yeah. and trying to put on that facade. Um, and secondly, we don't know what other people are going through. And so it's just, I think we need to be hyper aware that, um, at any given moment, people are probably struggling with something that you don't know that they're struggling with. And we've got to get over putting these, yeah. these unrealistic expectations on yeah. anybody. Not only that, not only that, but I really feel that we've had, we've had a false, um, understanding 
of the magnitude of hopelessness in this world. Mm. Okay. And so when we're confronting that on a daily basis, when you're getting ready for your, you know, you're, you're getting geared up for your podcast or you're getting geared up for your sermon or whatever, I think that we've, we've like, we, we have seriously under, underestimated the amount of hopelessness in this world, man. And I think when you get confronted with that, there's a very real aspect and that, and that, and I think for a long time that had plagued me as well, just to how real it got in my mm-hmm. life and seeing how, you know, how broken the world was. And it created a very bleak picture in my mind, not necessarily like a bleak picture of God, but a bleak picture of the world in general. And I, I allowed that to really kind of create a narrative in my life that I was falling. Oh man, well, this is all going to hell anyway, I man, whatever, yeah. you know, let the ship yeah. burn. I don't care. I'm yeah. just getting up. We're all out. Yeah. We're on the way out, whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that, you know, and it again, goes back to standing up and uh, standing strong and doing all that you have done to stand, man, yeah. you got to stand again. It's you know? funny you say that. Cause my counselor is like, I think, cause I, in, in this season I was like, okay, maybe I've been in the wrong place this entire time. And, and he, he kept coming back to him. I think what God's really challenging you with is just stand. Yeah. There you go. And, and with that standing, like we, we want to do that on our own strength. Yep. And when we do it on our own strength, we're definitely going to be crippled to our Absolutely. knees. And that's where, you know, that's why Paul writes, please remove this thorn from my flesh. <laughs> and, and all God goes He's is like, no, my grace good. is sufficient for you. Dependence. Yeah. Yeah. My power is yeah. made perfect in yeah. weakness. Yeah. So, so Matt, I have a question. So yeah. where are you at in your story as far as when you're telling yeah. your, I mean, are you still like on the front end? Are you middle? Like, are you, Yeah. cause I have, I have a question I want to ask, but I want to know where you're at. at you know. For sure. Yeah. So, so narrative wise, I think with, when we come to the way I've described it to my counselor and to others is that as I'm, imagine driving through the town. So we've gone through the town of depression, right? Yeah. I can see that, you know, the farm equipment on the outskirts of town, but most of it is in the background. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the stages of like dissecting. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of our sessions are going into like, why did I get so angry and allow that to really manifest itself inside me? And so it's, it's almost like we're re hardwiring how I contemplative, man. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's how, yeah, how do, how do I actually respond to something that yeah. I, that's out of my control? Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's roughly where I'm at. Yeah. What's your question, Chris? You know, so, I mean, this is, and I know that we're probably going to get into application and stuff, but I mean, at this point, one of the questions yeah. that I'm wondering, <laughs> one of the questions that I'm wondering is, is, you know, I don't think it's, well, to, to pastors, I don't think it's any surprise that there, I mean, depression, you know, mental health issues and, and, and insecurities and just being done is rampant among church leadership to, to people who are actually, you know, mm-hmm. a part of the church and they don't see the behind the scenes. This may be new to them, but... <laughs> what would, you know, I'm trying to think about the pastor that is struggling and kind of wrestling with depression right now. I mean, what are, what are some of the, the early sign, you know, what would your encouragement be Mm -hmm. to them as far as, as, Hey man, you, you, you don't need to be ashamed about this. Yeah. I would say that the, one of the big things is, is first, like you've got to bring it to light. You can no longer hold it onto your, on by yourself. Um, we're not strong enough. You know, there's that old adage that says, you know, it takes a village to raise our kids. It takes a village to support one another too. And, well, and it takes the church. The church, yeah, absolutely. The church. And there's strength, yeah. there's strength to be had in the light, man. Absolutely. And, and Jesus said, man, live in the light as I'm in the light. That's where yeah. his strength came from, from absolutely. living in the light. So bringing so those things to bringing light. bringing it to light. Yeah. And you know, like the, the whole thing is it's exposing 
exposing it first. And so, you know, one of the things that I did, I've always done as a pastor is always, I've always been vulnerable about myself. That's just something that's always, it's, it's, powerful. it's come natural. It's very powerful. Um, you know, and so, you know, I, I've talked about before, you know, I've, I drew the card when we were going through the book of Proverbs a year and a half ago. It's a good book. And, um, and, and uh, I had to talk about lust, right? The, you mm. know, and that's one of those like, well, we don't, it's just almost taboo to talk about. And I was like, nope, I used to have a porn addiction. Like, and, it, and I'll be honest, like the temptation is still there. Like, and it was like, whoa, like that was a lot. You shared a lot, Matt. And oh, Matt. what's crazy. What we would really like yeah. is if you came to us before. Yeah. And told us yeah. You well, brother. thankfully, <laughs> thankfully the, brother. the leadership oh, team man. knew knew that about, you know, about my story. And, I, and I've made that available to others. But it was, <laughs> it, was it was the congregation. Yeah, it was like, whoa, check, that's man. a lot. That's right? a li- test. But you know what's been awesome uh, from f- people who watched it online or to those that were in the congregation have, have shared, like, I too struggle with this. And friends have come. I mean, it was almost like they came out of the woodworks yeah. a little bit uh, with some of that. And I was encouraged by that. I was like, wow, God's going to allow my ugliness and brokenness to be a ministry to somebody here. That's and the so, entirety of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's well, where, that's where I, to me, the bringing it to light, you don't know the healing that actually exists in the light until you all actually... All it takes is to see one person be honest about the same thing that I'm struggling you, with, and then all of a yep. sudden... You know what it's like? It's like that stupid commercial where these people are sitting down at lunch, and the waiter comes by and says... Hey, do you want something to drink? And the guy's like, "Oh, I'll have water." And the other guy has says, "I'll have water." And one guy goes, "I'll have a Sam Adams." And then they're like, oh, "I'll have a Sam Adams. I'll have a Sam Adams." Yeah. So it's like you start. I mean, not to make light of it, but it's just like yeah, I struggle with porn. I struggle with porn too. I struggle with porn too. <laughs> yeah. But it's there's freedom and vulnerability, and there's yeah. freedom and honesty. Yep. See, we instead when we hold things in. And we don't communicate them. We don't confess them. We don't bring them that to the pro- light. We're making that problem specific to us. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. First, we're the, we think we're the only ones that are dealing with it. But yep. number two, we think it's the worst thing in the world to actually confess it. But once you get it out, there's so much freedom yeah. in just confessing it to another human yep. being. Now, and, and that's the thing with the whole like depression thing is that there there should be no shame. Now, f- for others, you know, it may be something that has happened to you. Uh, or that you have, maybe you've held on to, it's a sin issue. Um, and, I, and so as a pastor, like, regardless, it, that will, that will, that will terrorize you until it not, until it comes out. And so we can, we can no longer, you know, the whole American thing, we, you know, we pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Like, that's a lie. Like, we can't pull our own. So I can't, we, we have to, we have to say help. We need it. We need to say that. And so, by bringing it to light, whether that's in a confidential room of a counselor, um, or whether that's uh, to your elders, uh, whether that's to a good friend who's in the two states, five states away, or in Amsterdam, and, or in Amsterdam, yeah, heck yeah, preferably man. Amsterdam. Yeah. So let, let me ask somebody. you. Yeah. So you you're saying depression? Help. Maybe define that for us and. Um, because there's clinical depression and mm-hmm. some people need medication to even out, to get an equilibrium going yep. with their, um, the, uh, hormones and those kinds of things going on in their, in their brain. But mm-hmm. so where are you at that point? Like, has it so, been diagnosed or? Yeah. yeah so yeah. it has been diagnosed. I'm not currently medicated. Um, we are in evaluation mode. Okay. And so my doctors, um, has, has offered and I've said no yet. Mm-hmm. Um, not to, not to really, and that's been, that's probably been more of a pride thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that, and, I, and the best part is about me sharing this. I was, um, 
so at the beginning of this year, I had a two two weeks sabbatical that the church gave me, and then yeah. they uh, they blessed me with three months of part time work. Um, and still getting paid full time, I thought was extremely generous to to kind of create space to heal. And while doing that, I, you know, I, I met a couple people um, just randomly that I, I've known before, and they're like, "Well, I'm medicated. Well, I'm medicated, and I'm medicated." It was like they were they were encouraging in the sense, not in a sense to be medicated, but they were encouraging like. Um, it's okay. Like there, and yeah. you know, statistics are out there that a lot of people are currently medicated. And it's, uh, and you know, I, I, I don't want to gloss over this topic because mm-hmm. I think medication, medicating for depression or any sort of mental illness, illness in the church for, for quite some time has been really frowned upon or Correct. You, you need to pray it away. You're not, you know, it's been, I think unintentionally cast back on the person and, and people can internalize that as you're not doing enough. Yep. You're not praying enough. You're not yep. having enough faith. That's a, And that's another lie that you can buy into that will actually yeah. perpetuate it further down the road. And in every situation is completely different when Correct. it comes to, I mean, you, you very well or anybody may get to a point to where, you know, as they are meeting with a counselor and they're uncovering these things, they yep. have the ability and the, and the, um, the experience to be able to make those calls. And I think that's why it's really important that you yeah. trust the counselor that you meet with. I mean, for me personally, I mean, I would want to meet with someone who's, who's a believer that I can trust in, that I can mm-hmm. lean on and I can trust their sound advice. Yep. And, and there doesn't need to be any shame that comes along no. with medicating for depression, we, anxiety. We take or, or our cars and go get an oil change every three to five months. Like it's, it's silly to think that we can, we can live life without any form of maintenance to ourselves to get an outside perspective. So so absolutely, and I, I'm a firm believer in counseling. I'm also a real firm believer in Christian counseling, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that and that that's that's yeah. that's key um, because one, you, you can ha- there's the commonality that we can recognize that God is the Creator, the heavenly being that's overall, yeah. and and that's the source of which we can draw from. Yeah, and I was and I and I've been going to a Christian counselor for a while. Um, I'm. I'm I'm more on the other end of the spectrum where I don't I don't necessarily I don't necessarily disagree with uh, medication, but I also I do disagree as it being because unfortunately I think a lot of people and we're the most medicated nation in the U.S. or in the world. You know what I mean? We are over medicated. Uh, and we, we, I think sometimes we like to compound problems mm-hmm. and, you know, just say, Hey, well, here's a cure. There's a pill, there's a pill. Uh, and I, and I had, and I had went on medication, which I had never done before. And I, cause I've had these problems for a very long time and, mm-hmm. uh, talk to people all the time, but I never went on medication. And so my wife asked me to do it. I said, all right, well, you know, whatever. But I just found that to me, um, not as a source of pride, but I just, I felt that experiencing that deep those deep hurts, like it gave me some sort of, I don't know, it just kept me, kept me sharp in a sense that that's, that's a necessary thing to feel. And so where I had tried to block those receptors by, you know, medication, I just didn't feel like myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm not saying that, certainly not saying that being tormented night and day is, is normal for anybody. But for me, it felt wrong to me to, to deny the experience of of those emotions, you know, and I I just want to caution people before you just jump right on the medication train, you know, because I'm right there with you. I actually think though that there's, there's more Christians and believers that, that may lean into, man, I I can't do this. I I, I can't do this. I'm going to be seen as, as weak, or I'm just not having enough faith. And so I, 
I mean, really, truly, if we want to give the best advice, go to God who knows our brains yeah. and, and knows all of those things. <laughs> well, you but, made it. Yeah. Jesus, Duke. Oop. It's true. Well, what, what I was going to say was I think it's important that we approach this on an individual basis. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. we can't. No, we yeah. can't there's no make, blanket uh, answer. You yeah. cannot blanket statement I'm that. I'm definitely yeah. not a doctor. I'm just telling you, you know, we're all just uh, voicing uh, our opinions Dr. about Tavares, things. Paging Dr. Tavares, room 302, paging Dr. Tavares. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, I think for me, you know, our family has had, has had quite some some pretty big things happen in our family and when i say my family my wife and i and our kids we've we've had some some bouts of mental illness that we've had mm-hmm. to deal with and and i think for me i was in this very negative headspace when it came to medication and i leaned hyper spiritual um and i wanted to to do all of the things i wanted to do all the prayers and all of the thing and all of this stuff and i think that i experienced quite a bit of of fear and and almost feeling like I had a lack of faith mm. and tried to over, you know, overcompensate spiritually when at the end of the day, when I got alone and went to God, you know, and God saying, Hey, you know, you, your wife, at least in our situation, medication was the best route mm-hmm. for us. And so I specifically have a heart now for any believer that is going through any sort of mental illness or any sort of struggle that, that takes place in the mind to, to, to not give in to that, you're a failure or you're not Christian yep. or not enough Correct. or you're not son or daughter yep. enough hmm. because it, I mean, you can flip it. It can go either yep. way and it is really person by person. Yeah, yeah. You asked that question as, you know, what can we speak to pastors? I think the other thing too, is you got to give those around you a ton of grace. Um, you're, it was easy for me to, to hold the expectation that they knew exactly what I was going through. So they should know how to respond to me in this, this bleak situation or this bleak season that I was in. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, I got tired. I, if I, if I actually got every book that was suggested to me, I'd have a pile. <laughs> still of be books. reading. I still, there's no way I, I I've only read. Two there's books. always a book for that. I've only read two. Yeah. There's always a book for that. And yeah. I, you know, and the best part is they mean well in that, but you got to have uh, grace and patience mm-hmm. along with that. And, and I know that seems hard in the, in the season that you're in, um, because it's like, because you you almost get to a place of survival mode, and survival mode is very narcissistic and very selfish for the reason that because it's it's triage on yourself. You want to be better um, because you're tired of you know. You ask what depressions to me it's, it was a fog. Everything became really dull. Um, I I didn't realize this, but I was so disconnected in my own head that my wife would be speaking to me and I was not hearing her. I, she would be she would tell me something very important for our family. And I forgot it. And it was like stuff that, you know, and that created a lot of tension for her because for her, she doesn't really fully understand this depression thing. And, and I don't, and I shouldn't have expected her to, uh, nor anyone else. But that's one of the things too, is that when you, when you do share there automatically, you do open yourself up to, to you're vulnerable. That's right. That's what we're talking about because yeah. now some there's, there's opinions, there's thoughts, there's ideas on how you can get better from everybody else, professionals and non-professionals. And I think you just got to be okay with the, the idea of like, I am going to get better. The it's, process. It's going to take time and other people aren't going to fully understand that. And that's okay. And yeah. the only thing that I've asked for moving forward with those who are close to me is just give me some grace and just try to understand where I'm at. I don't expect you to have it all, to be super sympathetic or, or even empathetic, really. Just understand that this is a very tough time. Um, and, you know, and I, the other day I was having a conversation with uh, the other pastor that I, that I, at the, our church uh, who, who leads me. And I was kind of getting frustrated. I was like, ah, people are like, I feel like they're tiptoeing around me. And he's like, 
that's just how they respond. They don't know how to respond. And that's, and that's okay. And I need to be okay with that. And, and that was what he was getting at. And they mean well. They love me. They care for me. And that's just uh, important for us. Well, I, th- I think it's important to say that um, there's, there's, not a, there's not a process. Like, we, we can't expect to, like, have a, a process or a strategy or a, a, a black and white rule book on how to deal with people when they're being vulnerable and honest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like, well, they don't know how to respond to you. Well, yeah, of course not, because there's there's not a playbook. There's Correct. not a rule book. And so when you make generic statements like you just need to give me a lot of grace and try and understand where I'm at, it we're not teaching that. You know yeah. what I mean? We're, we we'll give five steps on financial freedom for your you know, for you and your family, but it's not like five steps on how to respond to people when they're honest and vulnerable. And then you find out they have depression, but they're in leadership and they're just now telling you, and actually they're in counseling and they actually thought about killing themselves at one point in time. Yeah. Like there's not a, there's not a five tips yeah, on that. You know absolutely. What I mean? And so really I think what it boils down to is when you're saying you're just asking for grace, it's like, man, just let's just continue in relationship. Correct. Like I'm not, I mean, I'm struggling with some things, but who's not. Yeah. And it's not like we, we have to change or do yeah. anything special or be weird or awkward, but yeah. yeah, I mean. Yeah, and for me, the fear really became, after becoming more and more vulnerable with it, um, was I felt, I began to feel pretty narcissistic in just by sharing what was going on. Like, like it be, all of a sudden it felt like I was, it was about me. And I, and I, Which is I, so funny how the enemy flips that script. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's so just, good, right? Yeah. He's so good at baiting us on that. And, and, and I had to go, you know, it's, that's the season that I'm in. It's not, it isn't about me, but I do need to get better. I, and so for me, it was, it became freeing when I really just came to the place of like total surrender. And I don't know how to really describe that. It was literally like Christians are really good with like, you know, let God and, you know, you know, it's <laughs> let that go whole, and let God. Yeah, that, that whole, that whole cliche. And it's, but there's, there's truth behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in a, in a witty t-shirt or put it on your, you know, in your kitchen kind of put that on your side. coffee mug. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's a, it's a legitimate thing. And so for me, it was like, I, I literally have to leave the expectations of how I'm going to be better at the door. And that's really where the healing began for me was that. So we, I want to, I want to rewind real, real quick because we talked about medication. So there is a supplement I am taking right now that my counselor suggested. It's called vitamin C- D. Uh, vitamin D is one of them. <laughs> Um, go get, yeah, go get your vitamin D tested. If you're feeling that, you know, feeling mm-hmm. depressed and yeah. th- you know, there is a chemical thing that happens within our heads. Um, but St. John Wart is a, is a supplement that you can buy at your local, uh, Walgreens. CBS. Sounds like something they put um, in a witch's brew or something. It, it does, doesn't it? And, yeah, uh, a bit of water. And, and, it, and I, and I, 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 I didn't want to take it. I didn't want to take it. It's St. John's Wart. So it's Christian. <laughs> mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's right. But it, 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 that honestly, for me, what I what I what I what I described that as that lifted the fog for everything to be clear, and it wasn't. I mean, it helped. Right. It it didn't fix my depression like antidepressants do, or helped your processing. All it did is lifted that fog, so I could think about where the state that I was in. But yeah. it, it's, like, it, it's but a it natural, doesn't work for everybody. It's, it's a, a natural. natural it's a natural so, supplement. So let yeah. me just let me just say this. Like I am by no means, in no way, saying that. Um, that if you're depressed, you should um, not take medication and seek out natural remedy and t- and change your diet and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that like generic or, or blanket statement that's for everybody, but there's something to be said about what we're consuming 
and the way it affects our body. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, inflammation. I mean, there's so much we can get into the whole diet podcast, but but what I'm getting at is that's coming up. There, you know, God has created things in this world, um, plants and minerals, nutrients. And food, nutrients, and all those kinds of things that we can consume that will help our body. He made all of that stuff Mm -hmm. for us to consume. And in some ways, some of those things have become medicine. I mean, it's the, the one verse where Paul says, Oh, go ahead and drink a little bit of wine for your stomach or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Amen. But I mean, I drank a lot of wine, right? Paul, Paul wasn't getting into some deep (laughs) theologics were off. He he wasn't getting into some deep theological debate or whether or not you should drink wine because you know, your stomach hurts. It's just like, well, you know, Timothy, you really should have just believed that the Lord was going to heal your stomach and have faith. He's like, dude, drink some wine, chill out. And so, yeah, I mean, take some, take some Christian wart. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I Saint go back James, to, so Saint let's talk John's about the diet. Lord. That was a big thing for me. So in this whole season, I gained 55 pounds starting the church. Ooh. Yeah. Big deal. Well, it's, it's that, that wrecked. Yeah. Real big deal. Uh, my, my waistline would have tell, told you that, but in this whole, since September, one of the, one of the things and it's been great. My dad's been a part of this too. We've slowly just begin to change how we eat and we change. And so I can, I can praise today. I've lost 30 pounds to the, to the exact pound uh, of that. Obviously there's more to go, but it's not a, now you just need to get a tan. That's the only thing missing. It's coming, (laughs) right? It's coming, but it's, uh, but it's one of those things that it's, uh, I just, um, it should be Matt White, not Matt Brown. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that one. Sorry, brother. Yeah, it's all good. I had to make a joke. I mean, as far as what we're consuming, I mean, there's a huge, I mean, I, the more and more, because my wife and I started on the first, the first of the year, started the Daniel fast. And uh, man, when we had, we had done it for two weeks even. And I felt in my mind had been so much clearer. My body was so much cleaner. Like everything was op, was optimal. I mm-hmm. mean, it, I just felt so much bowels? better. They're not good right now. Unfortunately, I, I had a had a labrum tear in my shoulder and so they gave me a bunch of painkillers and freaking anyway, you guys don't need to know about that. <laughs> but I mean, d- there is something to be said about the things that we put mm-hmm. into our body and they do affect our mind. Yeah. They do affect. Yeah. Uh, and know, I would add exercise into that too. You absolutely. know, the times that I, I, I haven't really, if I can be vulnerable and honest with y'all, a lot of my weight that has been lost has not because of exercise. It's literally just been diet and portion control. Yeah. Yeah. I know how I feel after after our working out, not just one time, after a season of that, like your mental sharpness and focus and clarity is, is really, really... Yeah. Uh, I, I think it, it, it's... it's that, um, what's the word I want to use? It's that, th- it's that thing that you can really... It really drives you through that fog uh, or actually lifts it too. Yeah, I heard somebody... Uh, I can't remember the guy who quoted it, um, some famous dead guy probably. Um, he said that every, he basically said everything is spiritual. Like we, we try and spiritualize the spiritual things and we try and, you know, make the physical things unspiritual, but the things that are physical came forth from the spiritual. So, so therefore yeah. on a foundational level are spiritual, right? It's mm. the something from nothing. It's the speaking into the void and then there's an earth and then people. And, um, so this is how, how God works. He, um, it's the physical being birthed from the spiritual. So the physical is in essence spiritual. And so I'm just, I'm listening to you talk 
And we just need to remember that everything is like systems, like ecosystems, right? Our body is a system. Our brain is a system. It's all systems. And so the way that God created us, we're, we're um, body, soul, and spirit, right? Or, you know, we have our mind, our soul, we have our body, and we have our spirit. And I think we're silly to think that what's going on in our body is not affecting our spirit. Super silly. And it, it should be that the spirit rules down through our mind into our body, yep. but oftentimes, oh, I feel bad, so then we think bad, and then we're just like unspiritual. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Interesting that, um, I don't know if spiritually you weren't doing okay, if it was your mind. I mean, it sounded like your mind was really um, doing something to, to kind of throw you off kilter. But through that... God has brought all of those things in. So it's not Back just that play. now you're working mm-hmm. on the depression. It's like a holistic approach. It's a very because, holistic approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah it because, should be. be. Yeah, because that was the thing that, you know, uh, I don't really like to get into the dialogue of like disciplines and stuff like that because um, I don't really like discipline. But <laughs> uh, but what I found was Nobody when I was does. disciplined about what I was eating, uh, I was disciplined about um spending time with God, whether that was uh, just meditating on a verse or a worship song or actually just reading a bunch of scripture um, or just listening to another message or a, a Salty Dog podcast. Um, mm, amen. Do you like that? There he goes. Um, but it was it was one of those things for me that um, when I began to begin disciplined about one other thing, the discipline of something else began to show up in my life too. Absolutely. And so... Because it's all connected. It is. It is very all connected. And, and what I found was as the as the body was getting a little bit healthier, the mind was getting a little bit healthier, which then allowed me to actually come to God with everything and be honest with Him. You know, I, the the best part is this past Christmas season we 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 preached on Isaiah nine six where it talks about and He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, um, and, and I ha- I drew the I drew the Wonderful Counselor card, and He well, is wonderful. He is, and one of the things I I, when I ended up preaching on was this idea that in order for for Jesus to be this wonderful counselor, we have to be real with Him, and so these other things that I was becoming uh, disciplined <laughs> on it allowed me to actually see that I needed to be real with Jesus with everything because there was yeah. even in my own yeah. sin, even with my own issues, I was not being fully authentic with Jesus, which is crazy to think about because that's the that's the first person you should be well, yeah. authentic. And I've with. talked about this before. It completes unity, authenticity. Authenticity completes the unity, and so when we think of it in terms of, uh, when we ter- think of it in terms of consummation in the marriage bed, okay, so mm. uh, we think of it in communion, yeah, mm. amen. Gotta love that, right? So when we think about it in those terms, uh, the, the 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 binding, right? So uh, cleaving, right, is completed in the marriage bed, and so when you think about that in the in the context of communion, right? So when you're communing with one another, you're therefore giving, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's a point of vulnerability. It's a point of authenticity. You're naked. Everything's there, so you are literally giving. Everything everything you have to that other person. And so when we think about it in that, mm-hmm. in terms of communion, Jesus has already given yeah. everything he has to us. And now to complete the union, the only thing we're lacking is us giving absolutely everything that we have. And so we spend all this time like kind of d- dipping into the waters here, not giving the complete thing. When the mm-hmm. unity is waiting to be had, that, that, that communion with Jesus is waiting to be had, but it's waiting to be had on our end because he's already offered freely everything that he had to give. Yeah. Now he's waiting for us to give everything that we yeah. have to give. That will preach, man. And I, that couldn't, be, couldn't even be more true because that's what I found was when I began to be real, mm. 
as the intimacy, I, the intimacy the, with him was, it was, was so, the so, depth was, yeah, yeah. it was so deep all of a sudden. And, and it was, that was the void that had not been filled. Mm. You know, the, 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 the physical was, was being cared for and, and other things. I was talking about everything and I was, I was finally getting it all out and things were coming to light, but finally that void was being filled. And what it, what, what it actually put me in a place with too was, and you know, it's, and I preached on, preached on this too, is this idea of like, just spending time with God, like became like it didn't feel awkward anymore. Like it was real. Like there was no more dear God anymore. It wasn't dear yeah. God. It was just well, heavenly Father. dear you know, God. Yeah, it was dear God. Yeah, it was nothing like that. It was like it was like I don't even know how to put it. It's like the, my heart literally just ripped open. Yeah, and and he had full total access to that. So mm. Matt, I, I have a question for you. And just going back to, sure. I, I love to. You, you said something early on in the episode about. You know, when you started planning the church and, and you talked about, you know, gaining the weight and, and just all of this stuff that kind of happened on the front end. And and most of us, I think all of us at the table have been involved in a church plan in some in some way, shape or fashion fashion. And so to the to the church planner, to the to the pastor who is who is trucking through, pushing through, I mean, doing the work of the Lord, doing all of this stuff. Stand. How how could you have built healthier rhythms into your life yeah. that, that, you know, not to say that that could have completely stopped this, but maybe would have placed you in a better position towards God, you yeah. know, like, because the grind of ministry, it's night and day. Yeah. It never stops. It's always going. There's always another phone call, always another hospital visit, always another something else. And so, Unfortunately, we shift the focus off of ourselves as mm. pastors to care for other people, and then what ends up happening is is we have we have burnout. You know, we, we talk all about that, but but what? How do you feel like you could have positioned yourself better? Uh, you know, in the years of ministry, and then what would your advice be to people yeah. who are who are struggling with that that may not see it? Yeah. So one of the things that I've always tried to do is 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 have the Sabbath to rest. But what I didn't do well was actually Sabbath. So I had a day off. That day off consisted of video games, Netflix, going to do something with other people. Uh, sometimes it was golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an element of just going out and doing something. What I found was that Sabbath is not only just a rest, it's a reflection. Mm-hmm. What has God done in my life? And so coming into the season of church planting, uh, we had a six-month-old at the time, and, and, I, and I, my, my Sabbath, quote-unquote, was Fridays. Um, and I, and I, I said, I'm not answering calls. I'm not doing anything. I drew a hard line in the sand. I broke that a lot, um, early on, but what I was doing was I wasn't resting. I was, I was caring for my kid, which there's nothing wrong with that. And if we're not doing, um, if we're not resting, um, well, then we're going to, we're never going to, we're never going to have the rest that was intended. You know, God models that in creation, you know, yeah. works Super hard, but well, probably not hard for him. It was a very easy uh, creation. But he modeled it. But he modeled it by resting, you know. And it, there's something to say about uh, not to be the typical Christian that quotes the Chick Fil A, but Chick Fil A is the highest grossing. Scott's chicken, man. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need, we need God's to have, chicken out. We need of to this. have that. We need to have that for communion. There's a reason why they're the high, their average store. The average is higher than McDonald's. That's open 24 seven. Hmm. They they model a hard set rest, and I think God, you know, I heard a pastor say it once: is like, do we think that we can do more in our seven days than God can do in our six? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And and so I would I would I would encourage the pastor to to rest, but to not rest in the sense of having the day off to go out hunting, go fishing. Like maybe that is a part of your rest. If it's yeah. meditation with God, then great. It's, it goes back to the posture that we talked about. I was just going. It's my day off. Don't yeah. don't talk to me. I don't want to see you guys. I'm gonna hang out with my kid. Well, it also goes back to our view of what Sabbath is. I mean, if you Correct. look if you look at the way that we see people practicing the, the, the Sabbath in the, the Bible, the Sabbath was not made for man. But it was man made for, for the God. Sabbath, exactly. You know and then I mean? it was also a huge time. Can't bro, to, it's my Shabbat. So <laughs> to to reflect upon God, <laughs> to place our thoughts upon God in everything that we do, and and we've turned the Sabbath into this is about me, me about me, it's about me, and my rest. But mm. but in doing so, but in going to God and, and in focusing on him, he then fills our cup. Would you say yeah. would you say that your wife's voice and input was extremely valuable to notice blind spots yeah, in yourself you know, as well? It, you know, it's uh it's funny. Sometimes I think with the the people that are closest to us were the ones that pushed them the way farther. Um and I had done that to her. And so when she spoke to me a year ago and said, Dude, I think there's some We've got some issues that you really need to get fixed, and that was one of those things for for me that if it was God's timing, um, and, and I just heard it. I heard her heart. I heard all of that, and so that was that was like you're not you're not healthy. I need you to be healthy. This family needs you to be healthy. That still rings true today, yeah. um, you know, and, and even in her frustration with like, I'm ready for this season for you to be over, like, and I get it because I'm yeah. with her in that. But praise the Lord for our spouses, and if you're not married, praise the Lord for your close friends and your family who are there, yeah. who know you and can actually tell when something is off, yeah. and then actually um, put themselves on the line to check in on you. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know? yeah, and we we were we were really good at denying uh, those things in our life, especially when something's confronted to us that maybe we don't want to fully accept yet. Um, and I would say just lean in. Lean, on, lean in to those, you know, if it's someone you love and, and, and cherish, um, whether that is a spouse, whether that is a close friend uh, or another family member, like it might sting when you hear it. That's okay. They keep you super accountable though, bro, because mm-hmm. they're, I mean, with your spouses, they're living with you day in and day yep. out, you know what yep. I mean? And now all of a sudden you're not as holy as you thought you were, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, but uh, for, for them, because they'll call out things that you can't even see in yourself. Correct. You're you not know? as holy as you thought you were. Yeah, I have that problem a lot. <laughs> Ditto. Uh, yep. You know, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, but accepting that, like you were saying, with, yeah. with humility, you know, and um because like I said, there's a lot of things that I would have never, had I not been married, I would have never confronted. Mm-hmm. And although that confrontation within me caused a great deal of chaos in my life and in the lives of the people those around me, mainly my family, had I not confronted those things, I wouldn't be, you know, where I'm at had I not been married. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's just like, what do you want? Do you want to continue mm-hmm. on in your willful ignorance? You know what I mean? And everything ignorance is bliss, or do you want to get deeper? You know what yeah. I mean? And, and so I, spouses I, def- definitely, and my wife has definitely provided that yeah. for me. I think our relationships, uh, I, th- I love how God's created relationships because yeah. what it does is it, it propels us to see a better picture of our relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For does. sure. I think one of the, the, the things too with, uh, with all this and so what I, what this has allowed me to to be being open and honest about the depression, uh, the anxiety that set in, um, has really opened up the door for a lot of awesome dialogue, uh, and it, really with the leadership team at our church. And I, I'll give a lot of credit because I've said some pretty ugly things uh, to them, um, whether it was from the right place or not. 
they've heard me. They've they've accepted. Uh, I wouldn't say accepted. They, they well, they've accepted me for me, and they've loved me really, really in a hard way. Um, but they've also been extremely generous in that, and that's been one of the amazing benefits in a lot of this this open and honest uh, dialogue with them. Uh, our, the same thing with our congregation. Um, I've been very upfront with them about it, and uh, this past Sunday was my my first Sunday, really kind of back in the in the grind of things, and and uh, was able to minister in a way. We, you know, we're starting a series in the book of James, and the second verse of James it says, "Consider it pure joy." Uh, you <laughs> know, many yeah, yeah, oh love James, gosh, yeah, classic yeah. What, James, what a jerk, you really know? just. Um, but it was, you know, James, but it was James. one of those things I got to share. I got to share where I had been, and in the, the in the ministry that had came out of this like this time. You know, I, I said before we started the, the episode, uh, I had read this really really good book, and I'd recommend it to anyone who's in a in a really tough time. There's a book for that. There is a book for that, and, and the, you know, like I said, I had heard a lot of book suggestions. This one came from my counselor, but it's a it's a book called Room of Marvels by James Bryan Smith, and it's a novel. Uh, so if you're a pastor who highlights and writes in the margins, buy the ebook version. Don't write anything; just read it and let the story in itself just be what it is. Um, you might disagree with some theology in it. If that's the case, get over it. Because put your story, put your sword. You can down, say that bro. again if you'd like. Put yeah. the sword down. Build a bridge. Yeah, yeah. And get over it. Because the whole put book the is down. the whole book's the purpose behind the entire book is 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 a perspective from heaven. And bringing healing to the circumstances that you're at, and uh, it's a it's a phenomenal book. And uh, what it came to the place for me, and this has been what is um, I've had to get over. I want to say get over, but wrestle with is. And I think a lot of this was centered on my depression. Was did I really know that Jesus loved me? For me, mm. I'd really bought into the idea that He was disappointed with me. Oh. And that was not true whatsoever. I think, you know, I, I thought about this the other the other day. My daughter, um, months ago, we had a metal shelf in our garage, and she she knocked it over and scraped our car down to just bare metal. And I was livid, and I responded in a very livid way. And at the time, she I mean, she's two and a half years old at this point, and um, just the terror in her eyes. Yeah. Um, and she knew, she knew what happened. Um, Mm. immediately I melted Yeah. and all I could say is I love you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in our own mess, that was the picture that I needed to see was that as frustrated as I was with her, she still needed to know. And I wanted her desperately to know daddy still loves you. Yeah. And that was the thing I could not accept was that in my own mess, whether it was sin, whether it was the way I saw myself as a failure, it was... God still loves me. Jesus, yeah. he, he loves me. I, and, and I think, I mean, just even right now, I, I could just picture him and he's just smiling, yeah. going, that's my creation. Those are, those are guys that I, the, I died for them. Like, yeah. and, and, I, and, I lo- and I love that, that image. That, that imagery, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. man, one time, dude, I yelled at Ezra because, and he's young, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And this was before he was one years old, but he started, I had put, uh, I set a knife down 
you know what I mean? I was cutting an apple with or something because I went to the bathroom or something. I came back out. He's playing with it. And I screamed at the top of my lungs and scared him and took the knife from him. And, dude, he, like, he was terrified. Mm-hmm. And, like, I instantly, like, dude, I was just like what you said. Like, when he when he looked at me like that and I realized the fear that he had in him, he, he didn't know, you know what yeah. I mean, that it was out of, that I was afraid. Mm-hmm. But, dude, that melt, I'll never forget that look yep. for, for as and, long as I live. And I immediately, you know, I had to yeah. grab him and say, man, I'm so sorry. But, yeah. you know what I mean? Chris? I was just going to say, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock the church by any means whatsoever, but do you think we've, we've not given a proper understanding of the gospel that we've just glossed over it yeah. so simply and just said, it, it's this when, when it's so much deeper, the gospel yeah. is not this, it's not the start. I mean, it's the starting line. It's not the finish line. And so there's so much more that I believe that goes untouched in the life of a believer because we just say, hey, this is it. You just, you just hit this mark. You just pray this prayer and you do this thing and then you're good. Well, yeah, scripture and, says perfect love casts out all fear, but we live fearful Yeah, mm-hmm. as Christians. And then that means we don't know perfect love. Because right. I, I resonate so much with what you say about, about not, I mean, I'd heard the gospel. I preached the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to have it move from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Yeah. And, and very much so, I mean, it wrecks you. It wrecks you. I know people who had experiences similar to yours to where you feel like you've just, it's like God opened you up and then you mm-hmm. just had this this deep level of connection that was there. And and, and man, uh, so we have people that think that they've been a believer for 20 years and that they're a 20-year-old believer when when in fact they've been a one-year-old believer 20 Repeated times. Repeated 20 times, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. And so and so I'm, I'm not saying this to knock yeah. as much as it is as pastors, man, I, I wish... And I'm guilty of this, and I've just come around to this over the past year, of, of past couple of years of realizing that my responsibility to teach the gospel and how it affects all aspects of our life is so strong mm-hmm. because it, when it when it begins to penetrate us, man, it changes things. It changes yeah. the game. And I don't I don't think it's necessarily a knock to the church. I think it's probably a knock to us as pastors, because at least for me. Uh, and others may resonate with this as well, but I was extremely metric driven. Got to get those baptisms, got to get those salvations, numbers, 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 you numbers. know, got to fill those seats. And we, we sell the gospel as a, as a fix all. Hmm. Um, and it, it is a fix all like our eternity shifts forever. Um, but we have to believe that at the core of who we are, you know, this is, you know, you confess with your mouth and, and, and believe in your heart, you will be saved. We make it so simple in that. But the thing that we have to wrestle with that ha- that is that is true is does God, do we really believe that God loves me? Rich Mullins says this. He says that you know I don't think when we get to heaven we're going to hear well what did you do for me guys yeah. like you know you know we can go oh I planted the church and and you know I had I saw a thousand people come to Jesus in my lifetime and was able to baptize half you know and he's going to be great but did you really know that I loved you? And I think that's that's the inception part for our faith is do we really believe that Jesus loves us? Because if we can believe that, that for who we are, as ugly as we are, if He truly loves us, then naturally when we and we see it, you know, maybe expressed in our marriages or in our family, um, we when we experience love, like we naturally want to give that love back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when we naturally love Jesus back. By doing so, we begin to follow the way he lived life. Well, the way, how did he live life? Well, he answered the question of what's the greatest command? Love God and love others. When we love others, we begin this process of living out as the church was designed to live, and that was for the sake of 
being the hope of the world. And so by doing that, by just, by just believing that Jesus loves us right now in the mess or even in the perfect, he loves us. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and just the fact that he smiles down on us is, is so critical. And, and, and I, we've got to get over the lies that the enemy was, is going to continue to tell us because here's the thing that, that I'm currently dealing with. So I'm driving out of town of depression, right? Right. Mo- moving on. Seeing the farm stuff. He wants me to U-turn. He wants that to be a Groundhog Day experience where I keep coming back to that same town. And he's going he's gonna to change the bait. He's going to continue to change the lies. And he's going to say, you're not fully fixed. Well, you never fully really believed. You, you, you Really, I mean, you're not where you want to be. I mean, he's going to begin to dangle some of that stuff in front of me again. Uh, you know, I, it's one of the things I was talking about in my counseling session today was just simply buying the lie that I, don't, I, I can't control everything. I need to control everything. And that's the thing that makes me the most frustrated. Well, that's crap. Like, it really is. Like, I, it's, it's, not, it's illogical to believe that I can have control. Uh, there's only one who has control, and that's God our Father. But in all of that, we have to, we can't, we have to begin to rid the lies and continue to shine light onto that darkness because that's the only way that we're going to be able to move closer and closer to Jesus on that road. Yeah, and then even realizing, too, that, that I mean, there's even a lie in and of itself as the, okay, you were vulnerable once. You were honest about it once. You, you can't do it again. Like you, yeah. I mean, it being vulnerable in the Christian life is is it's an ongoing thing. Correct. It's it's so tough, but it's it's exactly what we need to do. Like what I wanted to touch on real quick is just this this statement of vulnerability and honesty for the sake of healing. Mm-hmm. And you know, we have to submit ourselves to the hand of the surgeon in order for them huh. to cut out or to fix the thing that needs to be fixed. I'm sitting next to a guy who just said, yeah, go ahead and dive into my shoulder with a sharp blade. Yeah, wounds that heal. Yeah, exactly. Wounds that heal, right. Vulnerability is a wound that heals. Exactly. So it's not that that you just caught this wild hair and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm depressed and, you know, I've been anxious and all this stuff. And, you know, oh, okay, I'm doing what the Bible says and I'm confessing it and this, that, and the other. It's like the Lord has brought you to a place. First of all, it's an act of grace that he moved you to a place where you would then bring that stuff to the light. That's an act of grace in your life and mercy and love that he brings you to the place to where then you finally humble yourself, but the spirit in you humbling you to then confess this. So that it comes out into the light, not so that everybody can see how much of a fake and a fraud you are and confirm all of the lies that you've believed about mm-hmm. yourself, but so that then the, the community around you can rally to help bring you healing. And that's what mm-hmm. the church is all about. Yeah. yeah. And the church needs to be ready. I need to be ready personally for people in my life when they come to the point to where they're going to confess something terrible and horrible or whatever it is, they think it's the, like the worst thing in the world for them to confess their sin or tell me about their struggle. They get to the point and they do it. And then it's just like, I need to be ready to deal with that vulnerability mm-hmm. and know that I'm going to wrap my, arm, my arms around those people and accept them and love them and show them grace and mercy and, and uh, understanding. Right. So I think there's just a, a sense of one, it's not, going to be the worst thing in the world for you to to be vulnerable it's going to feel like it but it's for the purpose of bringing healing mm-hmm. it's the thing that has it's the lies you've been giving into um it's the year after year after year of feeling like you're a failure and you're falling short well the way to get out of that is to 
confess that to people. Hey, here, here's how I'm feeling. Here's, here's how I'm thinking. And once you start getting that stuff out to, into the light, that's when the healing mm-hmm. comes. But I think also just as individuals, we've got to be ready for someone to sit across the table from us and say, I've got a porn addiction or I'm depressed or I thought about killing myself or yeah. I've been really terrible to my two-year-old. Yeah. And I, and I would say to that, to that, if you, if you find yourself in that situation where someone is confessing to you, don't be quick to respond in the sense of here's the 17 steps on how to fix your porn addiction, or here's how you can get um, over depression. It, literally just be in the moment with them embrace them, whether that's a physical embrace, embrace them with active listening, and then ask, what is it that I can do to help you? That's so because key. Because one Being of the things so that key. I kept hearing was... Being present. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and I would say m- my local church has done that well. Um, some haven't, and that's just because I think they're um, new to a lot of this. And I think even by nature, when disaster comes, there's some people that run into the fire, and there's some well, some people that just run away from it. And that's... That's okay. Yeah. I don't um, like this, Matt. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's and that's neither do I. <laughs> you know, it's but it's it's I, I I get it. And I and that's where the person who's being vulnerable and sharing, it people are going to respond differently. And that's where you got to leave those expectations at the door because if you're if you're going to say something to somebody and you're expecting them to respond a certain way, most likely case is you're going to be let down. And if you but if you come to the place, I'm going to be vulnerable. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they're going to respond well. Maybe they're not. But somewhere in this, I'm going to trust that God's in this. Yeah. And He's going to He's going to do something, whether I like it or not. And in regardless, I'm trusting that healing's going to come at some point, whether it's from this conversation or it's going to be a year from now, from you know, being in counseling or being on medication, whatever it is. And I think that's that's so key for us. But don't be the person that says, um, "Well, God's going to work it all out." Uh, you know, it, it's, that's okay to say because He is. That's true. Um, God is going to work something out. It may not be the way you want to. Once again, put the expectations out the mm-hmm. door. But don't just just be there. Embrace them. Love them. Um, just you know, one of the things that I had to ask my wife a handful of times was just just hold me, like. Be the big spoon, would you? Yeah. You know, I I physically needed that from you know my if you if you know my wife she's four ten and a half I I'm six two so I sometimes you need know, a good yeah. spoonie yeah. Yeah. absolutely you know the spoonie um, not the spooner yeah but it, or it was you know we the we, broke Oklahoma yeah. spooners <laughs> there's a lady in our church that man she's a she's a dear soul and you know there was a Sunday that oh, I came man. in with a very long face and was tired. And she just goes, you look like you need a hug. And this is grandma to the T. And she just came in and just embraced me. And um, That's beautiful, man. It, it was. And, and, you know, that's what I needed in the moment. Uh, I didn't think I needed it, but I was like, okay, let's, that's, what, that's, what I, that's what I needed. So, yeah. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, then. Casey's gone. That was good. You got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Casey's got to well, we'll drop just, a, We'll drop just a end log. it without you, brother. Casey went to the restroom, so we're going to go ahead and just, we'll close it down. Sounds good. Chris, you have any closing thoughts? No, man, I just, I'm thankful to be a part of this conversation. And, and I mean, I think the thing that stands, I say, I say, I don't have anything and I have something. I I mean, I think the thing that I just want to reiterate to anybody who may be struggling with anything right now. I mean, if, if you think I might be struggling with, with depression or anxiety or, or something like that, man, go and ask your spouse 
I mean, ask them what they see in you. Ask them if there's any blind spots that you may be missing or, or if it's your pastor or if it's your friend or anything like that. And, and if you're like, man, I don't have anyone like that, then I would hope that this would be a flag to you to realize that we're not meant to do life alone. And I know in the churches we talk a lot about, oh, we're going to do life with one another. But my sincere hope for you and for every believer is that you would have brothers and sisters in Christ that you could turn to, that you could be honest with, that you could be real with. And if you don't have those people, you need to go and talk to some people. And I think being vulnerable and honest with people, this this topic of vulnerability will show people that, hey man, I'm I'm lack I'm I'm needing this, I'm lacking this in my life. Because Matt, people may look at you and go, Man, you got it all together. Same thing with me or Jason being being pastors. They mm-hmm. they might look at us and go, Oh, well, well, Matt doesn't need this or Jason doesn't need that. And 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 the fact of the matter is, is that pastors are some of the loneliest people that you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I would encourage you, I guess, talk to your spouse, ask if there's any blind spots and then make sure that you have people in your life that you can ask those questions mm-hmm. to. Yeah. I would just also say on, um, I can speak on behalf of Casey and myself and just our podcast in general. We have an email salty dogs podcast at gmail.com and we've had people email us. We've also had people, uh, send us a message, uh, through Facebook messenger. And we also have a, a Google voice number on our website under our contact us page and you can text. We ask that you don't call just yet, but, um, you can text us. And so, um, if you need to just talk to somebody about something, we've, we've kept conversations going with people, um, just over the months who have confessed some things and opened up to us. I mean, we're, we're strangers really, but they feel like they can trust us. And, and, uh, I know my heart is to help and to respond and so we'll do that. And so if we need to be that that person for you somehow, some way, you know, we can we can walk through that process. But I also just want to say, if you're going to get to where you're, you're working up the courage, the humility, whatever it is, to go be vulnerable, vulnerable with somebody and be open and honest, and they don't respond to you the way that you feel like maybe they should have responded to you, I would say just cue up grace for them mm, because yes. they may not respond the way that you think yeah. that they should respond. Yeah. And it's probably because they don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. And, you know, and that's one of the things that I would say my leadership team and, and those that are, that are over me, uh, they've never personally experienced this. And, uh, that was the thing that I had to get over was they, they don't, they don't get it and that's okay. Uh, and I, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being vulnerable with them and, and, and trusting them and how they lead me. And that, that took some time. That wasn't a, that wasn't a split, uh, moment decision. That was, that took months for me to get to and that, and, and grace is so critical in this, in this whole thing, uh, for yourself and for those around you. Yeah. Right. Well, Matt, we're so appreciative of you, man. Sharing God, and thank, oh, you, thank you. How, how cool is it to be here on, on episode one of yeah. season three? Freezing your toes off, right? Because it's freezing, freezing in this got wool socks on. I'm good. Freezing, Look at you. Bro. You're prepared. I, I turned off the heat because I didn't want the buzz in the background, but I won't make that mistake yeah. again. So no, that's all th- good. Thanks for freezing through this with us. No. Sorry I, I had to drop a no, lot. No, you're fine. Your, your body's got to yeah. do what it's got to do. Did you wash? Did you wipe? Did I, you? I basically committed you to I be washed and wiped. Nice. While oh. you were gone, Casey, while you were gone, I committed you to being a counselor for all of our Salty Dogs listeners. Yeah. So the Salty Dogs Nation is going to be giving you a holler. You should. Yep. So I so um, I came up with a, 
with a pretty cheesy name for our Facebook group, but we're just going to make it stick. It's called the Doghouse, D-A-W-G, the Doghouse. And that's our <laughs> Facebook. the dogs that, out. That's right. That's our, that's our Facebook group. Um, it's a private group, but you can ask to join. We called it the Dog Pound. We could have called it the Dog Pound. Bow, wow, wow. Yippee, yo, the Doghouse, though. The Doghouse. Dog yeah, it's called the Doghouse. And so really what we want to try and uh, make happen is, one, we always love hearing from our listeners. Um, but two, we want to keep conversation going. We want to continue to encourage each other. Um, you know, if you if there's a book for that, mm-hmm. post it in the in the Facebook group. Uh, <laughs> ask your questions. Do whatever you do. So, um, in your Facebook search bar, type in Salty Dogs Christian Podcast Group, and uh, and you can join the group. And so, I think we've got I don't know something like twelve or thirteen people in now. And so, we're opening that up. It used to be a Patreon perk, mm-hmm. um, but we're just going to open it up to all of the Salty Dogs Nation. And so, I'm really now the peasants about that. can join as well. <laughs> We're trying to hit oh, metrics. We're trying to get up to a thousand that's people. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to feel really validated. Sunday. Really validated when the group starts to grow, and, and we'll just we'll share the numbers, and it'll be fantastic. Yeah. No. As always, um, you know, just that heartfelt, uh, sincere thank you for everybody that listens and everybody that was listening tonight, and thank you to Brown Matt for being here uh, and being. <laughs> Being, being vulnerable. That's actually my email. <laughs> so, so when we had, so when we have you back towards the end of the season, and we're we're on the other side of, sur- uh, yeah. of summer, you'll be tan, Matt. There you go. I should be. Or you'll, live up, you'll live up to your yeah. Action. yeah. yeah absolutely. And so, uh, thank you guys from the bottom of our heart. We love doing this, and we're really glad to be back uh, for another season. Season three. I'm glad, I'm glad our, Chris is here. Our Shabbat is over. Chris, we're going to see more of you, yes. aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked to my wife. I've committed. Let's, I've let's, committed to season three. Let's DTR right yeah. now. I'm committing to season three we draft, of we drafted the SDP him. in the ICT. We drafted him. <laughs> I'm excited. First round pick. Raise the first roof. Round. First round pick. Can that go Chris on my Serta. my pastor rookie card? Yeah, we'll make it happen. Nice. First first team. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good stuff as always. Follow us on social media at Salty Dogs Cast. We're on Instagram, at Twitter. That's right. And Facebook. Check out SaltyDogsPodcast.com. Join the email. Join the Facebook group. Reach out. Do all that fun stuff. Share. Review. Blah, 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 blah. Shoot us a line. Critique us. We still haven't had any hate mail. Do yet. the thing. Send us a hate send mail. Send us a hate mail. I want to I want to read it. You can you could send it to my personal account. Dear Salty Dogs Podcast. Dear Casey. Wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> yeah. You wow. make me sick. You're the scum between, between my, my toes. toes. Send it. I want to hear it, man. I want to hear it. I want. I want somebody to tell salty me what a jerk I am. Out. Oh, salty dogs out. Bring it. Peace. <laughs>